0: morning. I just love that song. I just love that song. I'm thinking as we're singing that song, that needs to be our next year summer series. I like every line of that song. Every part of that song just touches our hearts. Someday, someday we'll see the face of Jesus. Can you imagine how wonderful that's going to be? We're so glad to have each of you with us today. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be at the very last chapter of the book of Luke. There is a simple but profound story God has put in your Bibles, and it's a powerful lesson about the journey from knowing to believing. It's one thing to know things. It's something else to believe. Our faith is what colors our character. Our faith is what gives us hope, and the difference from knowing and believing is what we want to talk about today. Many, many people know, but few actually believe. And our lesson and our story from Luke chapter 24 begins with a sad, long walk home. Many of us have had that before. Maybe it started in school, where there was a list posted on the door of everyone who made the team. And you went down that list about four times. And your name wasn't there. And you got home, and at supper time, your dad asked you, did you make the team? And you bowed your head and said, no, I didn't. Maybe it was at some kind of homecoming event, and everybody had a date but you. And your mom asked you, are you going to go? Do you have a date? And you just kind of lowered your head and said, no, I don't. Maybe it happened to you later in life, and you're working at a company, you like your job, things are going well, and you can rephrase it as as restructuring or downsizing, but they come in there and said, you no longer are needed at this company. A long, sad journey home. What are we going to do now, you think? Where am I going to find a job? For many of us this past year and a half, It's been a long, sad journey home from a cemetery. We left a loved one there, and a long, sad journey. Our story takes place in Luke chapter 24, and in Luke 24, we read about two men going home from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We're not sure where Emmaus is. Our text tells us it's seven miles from Jerusalem and archaeologists have dug and dug and looked and looked, and they just don't know really where it's at. We're not told seven miles from the wall, seven miles from the temple, seven miles from the business district. That's just kind of a vague number. It's seven miles out there. And these two men are walking home disappointed, disillusioned, and discouraged. It's a little longer section, but I want to read it with you in our Bible. You know, years ago, I heard a preacher, he got up, and all he did was read a long chapter of the Bible, said nothing else, and sat down. And I sometimes think that would be a good thing to do, just let God speak to us from his word. But i got a few other things I want to say. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all the things that had taken place. And it came about while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? They stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem unaware of the things that's happened here in these days? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in deed and word and sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our elders delivered him over to the sentence of death, and they crucified him. We were hoping that it was he who's going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it was the third day since these things happened. But some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came and said that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And as they approached the village, they were going, and as they were going, and he acted as though he was going further. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward the evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about when he had reclined at the table with them, He took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us when he's speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they rose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven, those who were with them. And we'll go on and read some more of that in just a moment. And so what we see on this journey here is we see that they were sad and disappointed. Verse 17 says, they stood still looking sad. The three remarkable things that we take place in this text here. First of all, they tell Jesus about Jesus. Look at verse 19 once again. Verse 19 says, and they said to him, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene Who is a prophet? Can you imagine Jesus is right there and you're telling Jesus about Jesus? That's what they did. A second remarkable thing that takes place here is in verse 27, and we're going to come back to this in detail in just a moment, is that Jesus, beginning with Moses and the prophets, explains the scriptures with Can you imagine being in the Bible class with Jesus? The greatest Bible class of all time taught by the greatest teacher of all time, Jesus. I've taught a zillion Bible classes in my life, but I cannot imagine what it would be like to sit there and hear Jesus explaining the Scriptures. And then the third thing that's kind of remarkable is that Jesus used Scripture to identify who he was. And on this long, sad journey to Emmaus, their home, there were four pieces of evidence that comes to the forefront in this. The first one is in verse 21, when they acknowledge it is the third day. Once again, notice the text. But we were hoping that it was He who is going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it was the third day since these things happened. You and I understand the third day. The third day is when Jesus was resurrected. Interesting. They didn't go home on the first day. He died. Story's over. Let's go home. They didn't go home the second day. This is the third day. And they understood something special was supposed to happen on the third day. Where they got that was from Jesus. John chapter 2, Jesus would say, he answered the Jews, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Verse 21, he was speaking not of the temple physically, but of his body. Then again, in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. From that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and be raised on the third day. Day. The very next chapter of Matthew also identifies the third day. They didn't randomly pick out that number. What's well, the 15th day. It's two months later. They knew something special was supposed to happen on the third day. But where do we find them? Walking home sad and disappointed. They didn't believe. Second piece of evidence was the women. The voice of the women, verse 22. But also some women among us amazed us. I love how Phillips translates this. He simply says, disturbed us profoundly. How did they disturb them? With the words that they said. Because what they said is that they went to the tomb and he was not there. Now, this takes us again to the book of, Ma- to the book of Mark in chapter 16, where that story is found. Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, for whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping, and when they heard it that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. Just a little cultural note here it is interesting. The first one to see Jesus raised was women. In the first century world, a woman could not divorce her husband. In the first century world, a woman could not speak in court. In the first century world, a woman really had very few rights. But who does Jesus first show himself to? Women. And the women came and told these people. And they heard what they said, but here they are, walking home, sad. I heard what you said, but I don't believe you. I do not believe Third piece of evidence was that others also went. Verse 24, it says, And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said, but they did not see. That takes us to the book of John, if you will. John chapter 20. Let's look over that account once again. And noticing all before these two men, there was all kinds of evidence. John chapter 20, begin, verse 2. So she ran and came to Simon Peter... ...and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that would have been John... ...and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb... ...and we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. The two of them were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter... ...and came to the tomb first. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter therefore also came, following him... Entered the tomb, and behold, the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, had been not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up at a place by itself. They entered in. Therefore, the other disciple also, who had first come to the tomb, he saw and believed. These two come back and tell everyone else. We've been to the tomb. We saw his grave wrappings. No one stole the body. Someone's going to steal the body. They're not going to unwrap it. They're going to just take the body and run. They'll unwrap it later. The wrappings were there. Yet, where are our two men? They're walking back home slow and sad. We simply do not believe. And then there's a fourth piece of evidence. This is found in verse 23. Verse 23 talks about the voice of the angels. It says, There, That the angel says in verse 23, we did not find his body there. They came and said also had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And this takes us to Matthew account where Matthew said, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know who you are looking for, for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying so much evidence and yet where do we find them we find them walking home sad you see they understood but they did not believe and again that's the powerful lesson and i wonder about you and i how many sermons have we sat through how many bible classes have we heard how many verses have we heard how many times do we know the stuff and if someone was to give us a little game let's play this trivial game Fill in the blank, we could fill it in. Name the books of the Bible, we could name the books of the Bible. We know, but do we believe? You see, these men knew, but they didn't believe. And so, what Jesus does, begin verse 27, he takes scripture and explains it. It is interesting the Lord did not perform a miracle here, how easily he could have done that. He could have said, guys, to stand back. Watch this. I am Jesus. There's no evidence in the account that he showed them the nail prints. This is a concern of Thomas. Thomas said, I will not believe unless I see the nail prints. Jesus never, from the context, never says, guys, look at this. Who do you think I am? The text never says that. But what he did do is open the Bible and says, beginning with Moses. And that takes me to Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, where here Moses says, "I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that he's talking about Jesus here. Way back in the books of Deuteronomy, he's talking about how Jesus Christ would be a prophet, how he would teach the people, beginning with Moses. He said, and then the prophets." And that makes me think of Isaiah 7:14, where there it says, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God among us. God on the earth. Or Isaiah chapter 9, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Or that great Isaiah 53, where it says, "And he was pierced through for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourgings we are healed." And what happened was, their eyes opened up, and what happened was, their sadness was replaced with burning within them, and what happened was, joy and excitement. Their hearts, and what happened was it was more than just more facts. Here's some facts we didn't know. Now it was faith, and it was more than details, it was life. And look how this account continues on in Luke 24 and verse 33. And they arose that very hour and realized they've already walked seven miles, and they're in their house now, and their eyes open up. And that very hour, they returned to Jerusalem. And I dare say the Bible doesn't have to say this, but you know and I know that trip back to Jerusalem was a lot different than going home. When you're going home sad, discouraged, and disgusted, that's a slow, slow walk. When you're excited, you're running. And how they turned around to go back to Jerusalem, Jesus is alive. Jesus is raised. We have to tell the others. And what happens when they told the others? Mark chapter 16, the Bible says, and after that he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. And when they went and reported to the others, they did not believe either. And so what we want to do today is we want to talk about six foundation stones. This is part of our faith. This is what we're about. You know these things. But the question is, do we believe them? Number one, God will not give you more than you can handle. We can go passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where it says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also so that you will be able to endure. God will not give you more than you can handle. I know that i understand that i can tell you where it's at in the bible but the question is do i believe it or do i allow worry to fill my heart do i allow doubt to take over my heart do i question things do i understand do i lack patience do i simply say god's got this whether it's cancer in the body trouble in the family hardship in the country do I say, you know what, this is a tough time to be in, but God's got this? There is a difference from knowing and believing. When you know something, you may not change. When you believe, you change. Foundation number two God is with you. We remember our Wednesday night speaker, Jonathan Caldwell, touched on this through the life of Gideon. If you've not been with us on Wednesday night, you need to. This is one of the best series we've had. Powerful, powerful lessons each Wednesday night from different preachers. We're only halfway through it, but very, very profound stuff. Passages like Psalms chapter 23 Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. God is with you. I know those verses. But do I believe it? Do I understand this? Maybe no one else understands what I'm going through. Maybe, maybe it's hard upon me. Maybe it's scary. But I have faith in what God says. You see, those two men saw four things. And they should have stayed in Jerusalem. But they walked home. They saw things, but they didn't believe. And I wonder, Sunday after Sunday, how many of us leave this room, we hear these lessons, and we think, yeah, that's factual. He he did not take a passage out of context. That's true to what God says. But does it change us? We're learning, but are we believing? Number three, God will forgive us. This begins first, if you're not a Christian, in Acts 2. It begins first by understanding that no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, God will forgive you. Peter was told to the audience to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You have never done anything so bad that God will not forgive you. Sometimes we think, you know what? God will not take me. God will take you. But then once you become a child of God, we still sin. And we don't get baptized over and over again. What we have is the promise of God For instance, in the book of 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Faithful. He will be there. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. This is the promise of God. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. I just don't think God will ever forgive me. You know the verse. The problem is you don't believe it. Do you believe that God can forgive you? Do you believe that God wants you forever in heaven with him? Can you say God's got this? Powerful thing to see. Another foundation stone. God is in our midst. God is in our midst. The book of Matthew chapter 18. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Do I understand that worship is to be biblical Honoring him and praising him and following his pattern. But do I sing fervently? Do I understand what an honor this is to be in the presence of God at this very moment? Do I realize that this is something that's very sacred and very special? Or is this a moment to play games on my phone, catch a few Z's? Oh, I know these verses. My daddy said these verses. My grandfather said these verses. But do I believe? Do I believe that God has this? Do I believe right now God is in this building and God is aware of us? There's a difference from knowing and believing. Number five, God promises it will only get better. God promises it's only going to get better. And again, do I believe this? Do I believe that angels will carry me through that door of death as the Bible teaches? Do I believe it's only going to get better and better? Or do I think the best days are behind me? Do I wish I was 25 again? Because I'm getting old and the end's coming and man, the best days are behind me. Or do I believe, as God says, it's only going to get better? John chapter 14, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, where is he? In heaven. Where I am, there you may be also. Do I believe that? Do I believe that I can be in heaven? Do I believe that this is something that I really want? And then a the sixth foundation stone is that God assures us that Jesus is coming. He just doesn't tell us when. We know he's coming. We just don't know when. Passages like Matthew 25 says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Do I just let, think every day is going to be the same? Another day, another day, another generation. Another, this old world is just going to keep on going. Now when we talk about the second coming, there's facts. Dead's going to be raised. The end of this earth. It's going to be burned up. And and there's facts and facts and facts and facts and facts. And we can go through those facts. But the question is, do I believe it? Do I believe that even today, this day, Jesus could come? He could come tomorrow. Do I believe that? And that's some powerful things we need to put before us as we think about this. Knowing and believing understanding and becoming, hearing and trusting, a sad journey home or a rejoicing journey back to the city. I want you to look with me at a passage I do not have on the screen, but turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is the concern of the apostle as he wrote young Timothy. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's saying verse 6 and verse 7, For among them are those who enter in households and captive. Captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses. Now verse 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. We've got to make sure that's not us. Oh, we're learning. We could have a Ph.D. in the Bible because we've sat through so many sermons, so many classes. We know the stuff. Put a map up there, I'll find the rivers, the mountains, the seas. I know the stuff. But do I believe? Is it changing my life? Am I getting more and more like Jesus? In Luke 24, just following what we read, this is found. Saying, these are the two men back in Jerusalem, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experience on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread while they were telling these words, he himself stood in their midst, here I am. What they're saying is true. And so what we witness today is the, the journey from knowing to believing. How Jesus did that was not by doing some fantastic miracle by their eyes. He took them the to scriptures and walked them through the scriptures, and they connected the dots, and they understood that God indeed was on earth god has got this people are getting kind of scared because this pandemic's firing up again what are we going to do i tell you what god's got this god's got this what about this world it's just falling off its wheels god's got this what about tomorrow god's already there what about you god has got this now turn your bible to john chapter 11 John 11, we find Jesus at the cemetery. His good, good friend Lazarus has died. And he tells Mary and Martha, John 11, verse 23, he says to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life... He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I think Jesus is doing a play on words here. He's saying this, physically, if you die, you're in me, you're going to be resurrected. Spiritually, if you follow me, you're not going to die the second death. But look at verse 26, how it ends. Do you believe this? I've underlined that in my Bible. I've used that phrase in a zillion funerals. Do you believe this? That's what the story is about on the two, road, the two men going to Emmaus. What a simple story. They're just walking along. They're, they're just kind of confused. They're disappointed. We thought he, he was going to do some things. And it's the third day and nothing happened. We're just going to go back home, go back to our lives. Nothing changed. And then Jesus appears, shows them what the Bible says, and how they hurry back. The journey from learning to believing. Maybe someone among us is right there. Maybe you know the Bible. Maybe you have heard it over and over and over and over. And I know that Bible. I know where you're going, preacher. I can quote it before you even get there. Powerful. Glad you can do that. But how does it affect you Monday morning when you're at work? You're getting down in the mud like everyone else? They start gossiping, are you right there with them? They start saying things they shouldn't be saying, are you wet right there? Well, how are you when you turn on the nightly news? That just agitates you and irritates you and you get all fired up about politics? How does it affect you when you think about how the world is today? You just say, you know what, I don't know if anything is right. Or do you simply say, God's got this. I don't know how this is going to work out, but God's got this. How can you say that? Because I believe. I believe. And when you have that faith and you have to go through that door of death, which every one of us is going to have to go through there sooner or later, unless he comes, soon in our lifetime, we'll have to go through that door. But you know what? It's just a door. It's just a door. On the other side is where he's at. On the other side is where we want to be. On the other side is what we believe. So again, knowing And believing. So a lot of folks I think will walk through this life saying, I know Jesus. There'll be some who say, I believe in Jesus. There is a difference. If We can help you in any way. You want a conversation, you want to get your Bibles open, do what Jesus did, and just walk through this, we will do this. If you have questions, we want you to be one who turns around in your life Just as these men were walking home sad and forlorn and disappointed, once they got it, they turned around and they went and told others. And once you believe, you want to tell your family, I found something. You have it in this house. It's called a Bible. And I want you to read it with me. Because it will change your life. And it will change your character. And it will change your hope. It'll change your future. And you worry less and you fear less and you put more confidence in God. You find yourself praying more, reading more, and believing more. And what you find out is, you know what? Your house is being built upon a rock. And no storm can move that because of Jesus Christ. If you're subject, won't you come as we stand singing.